0: Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Interview Series. Today, we're talking to my friend of 15 years, Mr. Phil Gerbyshack. Those of you who don't know, Phil Gerbyshack is a speaker, a sales expert, and a corporate sales trainer. He's also a small business coach. He trains his clients on the power of connection. He leverages the reach of social media combined with deeply personal work of nurturing one-on-one relationships, growing profitable long-term clients, transforming businesses and boosting revenue. The thing about Phil that I love the most is his warm personality, which just exudes service and gratitude. Our interview today focuses specifically on how Phil continues to deliver value to his audience using podcasting and social media He's particularly an expert on Facebook Live and LinkedIn. You'll notice that I ask Phil a lot of questions about using these platforms as well as his interview style and the podcast interviews he does. Phil is a generous, kind soul who shares a lot of valuable information in our interview together. Please join me in connecting with Phil. You can find him at philgerbyshack.com. That's P-H-I-L-G-E-R-B-Y-S-H-A-K.com. You can also reach out to him via telephone. He loves getting phone calls. Call him at 414-640-7445. All of his contact information is included in the show notes. I was especially honored and deeply grateful to my friend Phil for spending a few minutes with us. Please enjoy this interview with my pal, Phil Gerbyshak. All right, folks, thanks for joining me today. We have with us a very special guest, a guy I've known for a long time, Phil Gerbyshack. And the reason I want Phil on the show with us today is because Phil has been using technology to grow his business and to help his clients for years. But what he's been doing for the last year is really important now that we are all doing business in a virtual world. Phil uses social media and interviews as a way for him to grow his business. He also uses it as a way to help his clients. And I wanted him to spend a few minutes with us today sharing his insights for how he gets interviews, what he does to connect with people, and how he's able to get some of the most influential people in the world, really people who are authors, experts. He gets them on his Facebook interviews that he does live. He gets them when he does live shows. He gets them for his podcast. So, Phil, thanks for joining us. Talk to us about how you first started using interviews to attract people and like, what did you, how did you first get into doing interviews? And what was the, what was the, the genesis of this whole idea?
1: Well, Dave, if we take it way back, actually, first when when we first met, I thought that it would be really nice to talk to people who'd written books. That was my first thought, right? Is I wanted to learn more about their books. So I thought, well, what better way than to ask by the book, ask some questions, and to get some answers, and then share that with people. So that's how it started out. And that's probably, you know, 15 years ago now, that's where it started. And then as we've grown here, uh, what what I've realized is that not only is the interviewee a good person to talk to, but the questions that people have about that helps me then determine whether or not that's even a good conversation to have with people because all my interviews are, are more conversational, much like you and I are going to have today, right? We don't have any scripted questions. We didn't come up with 17 things to ask. I think that's often the myth that people have is they feel that their questions are the most important things that they can ask. And When in reality, it's what the other person says and what you follow up and how you go deep down that bunny trail with them to really answer those questions. And to answer your other question about how do I get those? well. I look for leaders in the field, right? I look for people that I want to learn from. And I, and I ask them pretty directly, like I read their stuff. I have thoughts on their material, whether I agree or disagree with them. I ask them very directly, you know, I'd like to interview you. I think you could bring some value to my audience. Would you be interested in spending 25 to 45 minutes with me to talk more about what you're an expert at? And so that's how I do it. And, it. and it is absolutely far more important now than it's ever been, Dave, to be more virtual and more conversational with people on video or audio.
0: OK, so has there has there ever been a time when you reached out to somebody and they said, you know, hey, listen, Phil, I'm just too busy. I can't I can't do it. And then what, what did you do to win them over? How did you get them to, to come back to you?
1: Well, uh, so sometimes I have given up. Adam Grant, actually, he's the only person that's ever basically just completely pushed me off and said, nope, I don't ever, I, I'm don't i never gonna do an interview with you, your audience isn't big enough, I don't really care. Okay, so I took that, that's fine. Adam Grant will never be on my show, fine. But other people, I've made it as friction-free as I can. You know, I, I got to interview Tom Peters. I was Tom, one of Tom Peters' first video interviews, which is pretty cool. And so how did I do that? Well, first I made it really easy for him to say yes. All I had him do is click a link. It's even easier than using Zoom, Dave. Like I was using BeLive, click a link, now I would use StreamYard, click a link, and immediately you're pretty much in the show. Make it really easy, really friction-free. That's the first thing. So I promised him that it would be easy. The second thing is that I showed him that there are other people as or more influential than him that have been on my show. I've talked to Dave Lorenzo. Yo, you've been on my show, right? I've talked to other people that have been on my show and I demonstrate that. And then third is I show that I'm going to do my homework. I actually know their work, right? And I know how they fit in with my audience or how they don't. And if they don't, I don't have them on my show, right? It's I, I don't waste my time. Not everybody gets to be on my show. I mean, I get pitched a ton and the answered most of the time is nope. You cannot be on my show. I don't. I don't want you on. If you don't. If you're not for my audience, I don't want you on my show. So, um, it, but making it easy, right? Showing them I do their homework, and then you know some of that also is being persistent. I mean, it took me four years to get time on the show. So that's part of it too.
0: And do you, do you have to, do you like share your audience size with them? Tell them they're going to get this much exposure. What do you, so what's your, what's your pitch to them? How do you, cause I, I work with a lot of people who do podcasts all the time and they tell me, oh, I can't get that guy. He'll never say yes. What's your pitch. I mean, you have right now, the way, the way your audience is now, you've had a lot of big name people on the show. So it's easy for you to say, I had this person. I had, I mean, you just told me you had Tom Peters. I mean, if, to, if you're, if you're good enough for Tom Peters, you're good enough for anybody. Before you had Tom Peters on your show, how did you convince some big name folks that they needed to do your show?
1: Boy, that's a good question. I, I think by being honestly complimentary about how how valuable they are, I think is really it. I, I, I'm not, I, I don't puff people up, right? If I don't find value in them, again, I, I'm not going to puff them up. But I'm genuine about that. I read their stuff, man. I'm really specific. If there's an article that I saw that you did, that's going to be what our interview is going to be about. And I'm going to tell you that, right? Hey, Dave, you wrote this article about seven ways to sell more. And I think that would be super valuable if we had a conversation about how that started out. And I'm only going to take 25 minutes of your time. Would you be open to that? I don't talk about audience size at all. I do talk about how valuable it is, about how, you know, your message needs to get out. I appeal, I guess, maybe to your altruism, right? Your mm-hmm. willingness to share. And the fact that, frankly, I mean, if you wrote an article, you're clearly passionate about it. If you're passionate about it, you want to go deeper about it. If you want to go deeper about it, well, why not talk to me? It's just a conversation, man. If I, you would take a phone call with me, well, then why would you not do an interview? And a lot of that, you know, people say, well, they'd never be on my show. Well, did you ask them? I mean, <laughs> seriously, man, my secret is I'm just willing to ask. And like right. I said, four years chasing Tom Peters, four years chasing Tom. Um, and, and not, you know, not like Tom, be on my show, Tom, be on my show. No, 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 no. Engaged with him in conversation on Twitter, right? Shared some of his work, had commentary about his books, read his blog posts, really someone that I wanted to share with my audience and then made it really clear that it's going to be really easy and about stuff you already talk about. Like here's why many people say no is because it's too much thinking work. Here's mm-hmm. the forum. No, no, Tom, there's no form. Let's be really clear. You tell me when is good for you. I'm going to clear my schedule. I'm going to make that work and we're going to go 25 to 45 minutes and that's it. You don't, I don't care if you share it on your platform. I don't care if you tell anybody you did it. But I promise you it's going to be worth your while because I'm going to ask you questions maybe that nobody's ever asked you before about your book, about your thoughts, about anything. And if it's not worth your time, like if this totally sucks, I'll just delete it. It's fine. I I won't even share it with the world. So, uh, you know, that's how I do it. And and then ask, just ask the question or find out like, who does that person know, right? Much like sales, Dave, I'm looking for a path in. So with Tom Peters, right? I'm fortunate that, you know, we followed, he and I have followed each other on Twitter for 15 years he's he knows who I am so that wasn't a a, to me I wasn't surprised I was actually surprised it took me that long but a lot of that is simply because he didn't feel he had anything new to say so that's the other thing is we have to sometimes give our guests the confidence that they really do have something more something new a different angle to say that you're not just going to ask the same seven questions they've been asked on every other podcast
0: Wow. So uh, let me make sure I understand that right there. What you just said is a huge nugget for me. So somebody as exposed as Tom Peters thought he didn't have anything new to say. I guess he didn't realize that every time he connects with a new person who's interviewing him, he's accessing a new audience. Share with the folks who are who are brand new to this. What's your what is your um, like your show production like? Do you do you plan your guests in advance? Then you email them. How do, what what is your show production? Give it to us.
1: Yeah, well, I'm pretty loosey goosey actually. So I look for people that I want to talk to that I think have value, and then I send them an email and I schedule it with them. Uh, As far as production goes, you know, I use StreamYard, so it makes it really easy to do. I don't, I'm not fancy. I don't have a pre-show role and a post-show role. I, I might at some point, but I don't have any of that. I just have a conversation with folks. And because I use StreamYard, I can alternate the camera angles between two people on screen to one person on screen. Sometimes I can screen share. I've had some guests that want me to maybe show their website or to show an app or something so I can use that. And uh, then from there on StreamYard, I just download the video, download the audio. I can take the video if I want to and put it on YouTube. And then I put the audio up on Libsyn. I put the show notes together, which is usually just uh, not much show notes, usually just an, an, uh, here's who I'm talking to today. Here's a little bit about them. Here's about the conversation. And then I publish it on Libsyn and that goes out to all the different channels. And then I put it on my website as well. So it goes from StreamYard to Facebook Live and LinkedIn Live to then downloaded and put on my website and put out in a podcast format. So it ends up reaching and, and I tweeted out a few times. So I guess potential audience size, maybe 60, 70K, I guess. Uh, typical real audience size though, probably about a thousand people probably see each show that I do and I do it every, uh, I, do, I do the live stuff kind of sporadically but then I launch the audio every Thursday so that there's a fresh episode on Thursdays uh, for people to go get because people seem to like the regularity of that. And if you have notifications turned on on your podcast, then you get bing, Phil's got a new episode. You wanna download now or sometimes it's set to auto download uh, either way. So that's, that's about it, Dave.
0: So that's great. So you do. So you're. Uh, so you go live whenever. Whenever you schedule the appointment with the person, that's when you go live. Because I've noticed. Look, I I uh, I waste too much time on social media. But I all the stuff that you do, I have you prioritized. So I see whenever you go live, and sometimes there'll be two or three interviews in a week. Um, you know. For me, it seems like you're always live, and in reality, you're probably doing like one or two interviews a week. How many interviews do you do a week?
1: Yeah, usually one, no more than three uh, will I do in a week, because I just think that's oversaturated. Not to mention, I mean, frankly, uh, I don't know that, (laughs) I love that you subscribe and you prioritize me, but I don't know that anybody wants to see me, including my mother, right, every single day. So it's good to do that, right? You give people some allure, of, uh, you know, oh, I don't wanna miss this, as opposed to, yep, he's just gonna be live tomorrow, and that, not that that's super strategic that I don't wanna be live the same time every time, but you know, my schedule's not the same every day, your schedule's not the same every day, nobody's is. So for live video, it really is unscripted, and sometimes I start the top of the hour, sometimes I start at quarter after, sometimes it's half past, right? I mean, it really, it depends on who I'm talking to, and frankly, sometimes tech fails. Right. Right. So sometimes that means that going live took us an extra 10 minutes and that's okay too.
0: And do you, do you find you get more bang for your buck by, by doing the interviews live? What's your, what's your thought process for, for doing it live and then, and then, you know, fixing it up and sending it out as a podcast and putting it on YouTube.
1: Yeah. Well, I definitely do because to your point, right? The platforms Bing, they notify people when you go live, if they prioritize you and you know, I can get 10 or 20 people, uh, Tuning in live, then the replay goes and the replay will get me another couple hundred per platform. And then the YouTube, you know, it's interesting. People actually go to YouTube for audio. That's really fascinating to me. I've never thought, boy, I should go to YouTube for an audio podcast. But some people do. That okay, great. Right with that, that that's fantastic if that's what you if that's what your game is. Uh so I get that. And then, you know, some people they go to my website and they look for my conversations there. Or some people go to Libsyn, and it's really interesting. Um, if I didn't go live, uh, first of all, I would feel like I would lose the spontaneity.
0: Ah, I like
1: that spontaneous conversation, Dave. So that's part of that's part of my strategy. Is I'm just more of a you know kind of go with the flow, spontaneous guy. I'm not an over prepared guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you're uh, you tell me about you're you're a big LinkedIn guy. You've been a power user of LinkedIn for a long time. You give a lot of really good strategy and tips on using LinkedIn. How have you found LinkedIn live? Have they have they has LinkedIn figured it out? I mean, Facebook has been on it forever. Tell me about LinkedIn live. What have you found out?
1: LinkedIn live needs a lot of work first. I can't I can't comment on the video on the desktop because I can't find the comments. Like they don't show up in my notifications. They're not on the video unless I rewatch the video. So that's really annoying. So I have to reply to comments on my phone, which is really weird for me. I mean, that's just (laughs) awkward, right? It's just awkward and I have to make sure I turn the volume down because otherwise it hits that point in time in in the video. And so no, they have not figured it out. But that being said, what I do like about LinkedIn Live is now that they have the featured section, I can pull those videos up because they're posts and I can pull them up and feature them on my timeline, which I Mm. couldn't do before uh, underneath. So if you go to my LinkedIn profile, you'll see below there it says featured and you'll see that it's there. Now the challenge is I can't add a thumbnail, I can't edit it, I can't download the video from LinkedIn Live, which is why I use StreamYard because Ah. StreamYard lets me download it, right? StreamYard lets me go to two channels. I could go to YouTube and Facebook, YouTube and LinkedIn, or Facebook and LinkedIn, which is what I do, Facebook and LinkedIn um, at the same time. And then it saves it on the platform, usually about half an hour to an hour after the interview. So then I can download again the MP4 and the MP3 and do stuff with it if I want to.
0: Cool, cool. What, what is your, What's your what's go-to social media? If I said to you, Phil, listen, we're gonna take away all social media except for this one. What's Phil Shack's go-to social media platform?
1: Well, for business, it'd be LinkedIn, for sure, because um, yeah. that's where all the business people are, right? I mean, I, I like that. I, I'm actually, uh, like you, Dave, I, I work probably more than I should, right? I play on social media a little more than I should, right? And that's the LinkedIn side of me. That's the business side. I mean, I love talking business. I could do that 24-7, right? Not that I don't love my family, but I really love business. And with that, if I were to flip that over and say personal, like, where are my friends? I would absolutely say Facebook. Right. So it depends if I would say, you know, the first 12 hours of the day, I'd say LinkedIn. And then the second 12 hours a day, I'd pick uh, I'd pick Facebook because that's where my friends are.
0: All right. So what are you doing these days on on LinkedIn? Because like I said, you've got LinkedIn. I think I feel like you've got LinkedIn figured out and I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing on there. So what do you do on LinkedIn that makes it so, uh, so successful for you as a platform?
1: Sure. So the first thing is that. I always think of prioritize value over volume. So if my if I've got something to share that's valuable with my network, I'm gonna share it. If I don't, I don't share. So people say, well, how often should I should I uh, post a LinkedIn? And the answer is only when I have something valuable to say, right? I, I don't think about that with my telephone and think, oh, well, the telephone isn't useful because I've made a phone call this week. Well, LinkedIn's the same way. So when I have something valuable to say, I share it. That's the first thing I think about. The second thing I think about is I get off of my platform and I go find other people. I make comments on other people's stuff, right? So I call it 50 cents. I try to add 50 cents of value a day. So that's my two cents times 25. Adding comments, adding likes, adding shares, right? Adding to other people's conversations, um, which drives people back to me. I mean, I get get on average about 2000 views every 30 days on LinkedIn. It's not enormous. I'm not going to lie, right? It's not 10,000 or hundred thousand. I know people that have that, but 2000 views. I mean, I don't need to do business with everybody. I don't want to do business with everybody. But if, you know, out of those 2000, if I get, you know, a hundred people that are in my target market that send me a connection request that I didn't even have to find, right. That found me because I commented on your video, Dave, that's pretty awesome. So that's 5%, right? That's pretty helpful. And then I try to engage in conversations. And that's probably the hardest one, because those are one-on-one conversations behind the scenes that are much harder to have, because most people, they're not hyperactive on LinkedIn like I am. Less than 1% of the people use LinkedIn every single day. But in a week, you end up with about 15 or 20% of your network that's going to be on LinkedIn. So I have to kind of guess and try to start conversations that way. And that helps me. But with that, I then use Sales Navigator, Dave, and I look for those people in my target market who have posted in the last 30 days or that are new to LinkedIn and try to start conversations with them because the new people to LinkedIn, thankfully, they haven't been hit by the autobots yet on LinkedIn. I hate them, right? hate autobots. I wish that there was a way to just, you know, electroshock people that use those automated tools because they really bug me. They really bug me because there's no way to scale a relationship. I don't, don't care what you say, right? That that just doesn't work. But second, with that, you know, in sales navigator, those people that are active on LinkedIn are people that use LinkedIn, right? I mean, that's that's important. Because if I was gonna call you on the telephone and you're never home, it isn't because the telephone isn't a good tool. The telephone's not a good tool for you, right? LinkedIn isn't a good tool for reaching you. So I might want to send you an email or in, in LinkedIn's case, right, I might call you or I might even you know, do something fun like I might leave you a video message or a voice message because you've probably not gotten one of those before because most people, you can't automate those things. That isn't how that works. So uh, anything that's different than other people, uh, I'm going to use and I'm going to try it first, Dave, to be quite honest with you.
0: That's great. I love it. Um, have you, what school of thought are you? I find there's two schools of thought with LinkedIn. Both of them serve people's needs. One school of thought is reach out, connect with people, uh, and then start conversations with them. The second school of thought is, I wanna keep my network so that if I share my network with Phil, I can tell him I'll introduce him to anybody because I personally know everyone in the network. So I'll let people follow me, but I'm only gonna connect with you if I've had a personal <laughs> conversation with you. What's your school of thought on connections on LinkedIn?
1: Yeah, well, so I, I look for for humans, first of all, on LinkedIn. And I say that, right, I look at their profile and I make a determination of the human. Do they have a heterographic? They have a, a real picture of them. Are they not selling Forex or crypto, right? Those are not real people. I I gotta be clear, those aren't, those people do not get in my network ever um, because they're just trying to, you know, they're like multi-level marketers. I I don't don't have any use for them. Um, So I look for humans, right? Not a lot of typos, uh, not all capital letters. I want a complete profile. So the humans, second uh, kind of barrier is, can I help them or can they help me? Can I help them or can they help me? And And then the third one is, you know what's in common, or what's interesting, or or what's insightful about this person. So, Dave, if somebody's connected to you, we've never talked about your networking strategy on LinkedIn. But if someone's connected to you, Dave, I trust you. I trust that you wouldn't let anyone in your network that you couldn't at least say, "Yep, this person isn't a total sleazeball." Not right. that you've done business with them, not that you've had coffee with them, but they're not a total sleazeball because if they were, like if they suddenly spam me and I said, hey, Dave, this person person's me, I know you'd remove them from your network. I'd remove them from mine. I would never blame you at all because I know that that just meant, you know, they look like someone you could help and you got tricked. We're human beings. We're not perfect, right? So that's uh, that in common. Then that insight, right? Is this someone that has some insight that I need? Again, Tom Peters really has no reason to connect with me. I'm not going to hire him to speak. I'm not going to hire him to consult. I mean, yeah, okay. I read his books, right? But does he's got some insight that I want or do I have some insight for him, right? He doesn't live stream. I've got stuff that I can share with Tom about that. So that would be an opportunity there or interesting or interested, right? So I might make a comment. I can tell you that I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I'm looking for guests by, I'm looking for guests. I'm not looking for people to cold hit me with a pitch. I mean, I'm looking for people that can serve my audience. So I'm going to say, I'm going to listen to a podcast. I just did this this week. I I listened to a ton of podcasts and I heard someone was like, Ooh, this person would be awesome on my podcast. So I reached out to this person and shared specifically what they said that was of interest to me that I'd like to go deeper with just like in inviting someone on my guest, I invite them to my network. Hey, Mary, I'd love to connect with you because I know based on what you said on this podcast, that you would be a great guest for my people. And so I'd like to talk to you. So that's it. But that being said, um, I I don't think it's possible to only connect with people, you know, because frankly, I don't know where my next piece of business is going to come from. It could come from somewhere totally off the radar, right through someone that I don't know. I mean, I don't know everybody, Dave. Right, I don't know right. anybody who does. So I think that's folly to only do that. Now that being said, I also think it's okay to say, Dave, if you ask me for an invite to my network, to someone that I don't know that well, to say, Dave, I don't know them. I've never had a conversation with them. They just happened to be my LinkedIn connection. But what are you looking for? Because maybe I can connect you to somebody else that actually does know that.
0: Yeah. No, that's I think that's great insight. You know, it's funny it's funny that you say that. So I uh, I'm working with a uh, with a client at a law firm now and the the marketing person at the law firm has told all the lawyers, "Hey, listen. You know, connect with everybody and when you share content, you know, there's a chance that they'll see it if if they're not connected to you, they won't see it." And, you know, my counsel to them has always been, "All right, here's here's who you connect with." You know, my my focus is in opening my network up to people. So if you said to me, you know, we're having this conversation now and, I, you know, I I trust you implicitly. So if you said to me, Dave, I see that, let's take Keith Ferrazzi. Keith Ferrazzi is connected to me on LinkedIn. Now, I know you know him, but if you didn't know him and you said, hey, Dave, I want to have Keith Ferrazzi on my show. Can you set up a call? I could pick up the phone and set up a call for you and Keith. And, you know, within a minute or two, you guys could determine if you wanted to work together if i was just out willy-nilly connecting with anybody my feeling is that my network wouldn't be as valuable to you or to people that i want to be of service to right so when i say to you look i can't connect you to them i you know i i just you know i just put them in my network because i wanted them to see my content I, for me, that's what, like, you know, I could have you on my podcast and expose you to people who maybe would do business with you in that way. But the network is of such value to me. It's a way that we as friends can, you know, can really exchange value. It's a way that I can be of service to you. And it, you know, it, it would be my preference to be able to make that personal connection to you. You know, I get where you're coming from. And I think as a function for you your natural network is a lot bigger than probably 95% of the population i mean just the people that you know alone from the national speakers association could they could that those could be podcast interviews for people for 3 years right so in your in your case your natural network is so wide that you connecting with people is probably valuable enough that if somebody comments on your stuff, people may see you. But for the, you know, for, for the rest of the population out there, I mean, if they're going to invite people into their natural network, they're only going to know 300 people. So their network is only going to be 300 people where Phil Gerbyshack may actually, you may actually have touched 10,000 people who would say they would, they know you personally. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, and I think that's totally right. I, I think that that's an important distinction for sure, right? I, I will, I, I will not connect with everybody. That's absolutely true, right? I, I don't, I don't go out and seek a lot of connections. But that being said, right, if somebody wants to connect with me, I'm typically okay with that. So to your point, I think my natural network is larger, I've, I've, but I've been at it a lot longer. Let's be clear. You know, I grew up in a town of 996 people, so it's not like I was born with this big network, right, into New York City or anything, Um, but I I say that you can work at that to grow your natural network by adding value to them, by commenting on their posts. I mean, that's that's one of the ways that I get connected to people, not because I know them, but because they know me, right? If I comment on someone's post and I add value to them and I compliment their insight and I do it, like, authentically, not just fake. I'm not I never compliment people just because I want to compliment them because I want to do business with them. It's not a strategy. It's a it's really who I am. When I do that, often then the next logical thing is to see if I can help them. And if I can, then the next logical step is to invite them into my network and to try to follow up. So one of the things uh, that I'm working through here, Dave, and I don't have the answer yet, is how do I reach out and touch the 15,000 people that I know on LinkedIn so I can have a better relationship like I have with you. Right? right, That's my real goal here, because I know that I let them in because I felt I could help them or they could help me, but I just lost touch. So how do we do that strategically? I, I don't have that answer. I mean, Ferrazzi wrote, never eat alone. Good example. Well, sadly, we are eating alone now. We are bowling alone. <laughs> we are podcasting alone. But one of the ways you can grow that network is start a podcast and a live stream and invite people on that you want to talk to. And now you can develop a personal relationship because they see that you're a person of value.
0: Right, right. So when you, when you started your podcast, what was your, what was your goal in starting your podcast? Was it just to distribute valuable content or was it to have better conversations or was it to fill your need for learning? What was your goal when you first started your podcast?
1: Well, my, my first was to add value. Uh, That's, that fundamentally, I mean, that that's the most important thing in my world because if I can't add value, I I don't feel like I have the right to talk to you. If I can not add value, I don't feel like I can add any volume. So, so that's, was the first thing. That's still the thing that keeps me going today. I know that uh, now because I have a bigger network, I can bring on better guests, better people that have done bigger stuff, right? Much like a business starts out, we serve kind of who we can and then eventually we get to serve who we want to serve. I think, you know, I'm privileged to have that, uh, but that, and then the learning, right? I remember, gosh, I, I think I had Seth Godin on my podcast in 2007 or eight, long time ago, back when podcasting was was really beginning. And the, and the reason why is because I knew that at the time, many of my network didn't know who Seth was. And I just took a chance because he said, send me an email and I'll respond. I sent him an email. Would you like to be my guest on the show? I'd love to talk to you about your latest book and help promote it. Well, I'd like to help you because I think my audience would benefit from knowing you. Can I help you promote your book? And most people, you know, there was a reason there. And I wanted to learn more about the book beyond just what I read in the book. So that helped as well. And now I guess I I continue to podcast, if you will, uh, because I know to your point, Dave, my natural network is bigger. And I know that I've got people that can help people. I know Dave, when I brought you on to talk about your awesome book, you know, 60 seconds sale, that it was gonna help people. I had you on the show. I mean, you're my friend, dude, and I'd do anything for you. But if I didn't think you could add value, I'd help you find somebody who you could add value to. Right. I know you right. absolutely can. So that's easy, right? That's an easy yes. But that was, you know, selfishly, I want to share you, man. You're awesome. You've got great stuff. If I can't share that with my audience and I just hold that back. I'm not really that good of a friend, right? I'm not that good of a networker, so yeah. So it's still about the value.
0: No, I understand. I get it. I think also too, uh, and see if you agree with this. I think certain people have certain personalities that fit with a specific type of media, and your personality is a natural fit for podcasting. For because you're good, you're you're a great conversationalist. So you're inquisitive. You're intellectually curious. At you ask great questions that makes perfect sense for a podcast. It makes perfect sense for you to have a forum where you sit down and have a conversation with people. You know, there are other people who are out there who are great, I mean, and you're a good storyteller too, but there are other people who are just naturally great storytellers. So for those people, it's better for them to be in a broadcast setting rather than in a Q&A setting. I just think this forum is ideal for you because of your personality, because of who you are, did you discover that naturally or was it like trial and error how did you figure out that you that this format worked really well for you
1: yeah it was it's some trial and error and and some accidental i mean somebody said to me wow dude you're really a good interviewer and i'm like and i just kind of brushed it off right like hey that that tie looks really nice yeah thanks a lot okay right like whatever but you hear that enough and you kind of realize well maybe i am pretty good at this maybe i start to believe that a little bit and maybe if I worked on that a little bit more and was a little bit more intentional about that, maybe I could be even better. Maybe this could really be a value to people. Maybe this could be, really be a value to me. So yeah, I mean, I've always been curious, but I didn't know what the heck that meant to be intellectually curious. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of new stuff. I mean, that's that hasn't always been a value to organizations or to other people. I mean, we haven't always even said that and asking questions, I mean, you know, I know when I was a kid, right? You asked too many questions. Shut up, kid. Well, same way, right? So it's kind of trial and error, um, kind of refined, and, and listening to what other people say. Uh, but I do appreciate that you'd say that because I do know that's true now. I wouldn't have always known that, so it's taken some time.
0: You know, your so your podcast, listening to your podcast, or watching you uh, do a live stream on Facebook, or, or you know, hearing the uh, the stuff that you put out there. It's it's the same as meeting you in person. So if people are wondering if they ran into Phil at a convention, this is exactly what it would be like. <laughs> yeah, for sure, right? Absolutely. Except I can't give you a big hug, Dave. Otherwise, it's exactly the same. It would be it would be absolutely absolutely no different. All right, let's take two minutes. Uh, I know I know you're super busy. Let's take just two minutes. Tell me what you're doing. From a speaking perspective, now you're a member of the National Speakers Association. You do you do a lot of keynotes. I know you do a lot of training. What are you What are you into now from from the stage? What are you delivering? I mean, when we go back to delivering keynotes from the stage, what are you What are you focused on? How are you delivering value uh, in a live setting these days?
1: Well, you know, human connection is really my biggest thing. I talk about human connection and how we do that both. Uh, online and offline so that's really my my biggest thing and and as human connectors right that leads to sales either selling of my ideas or selling of a product or service so that's where I'm really headed right helping people understand their value helping people display their value and then helping people share their value that's really where where I'm at and sharing those stories sharing those insights I like to think of myself as a as a keynote trainer right I tell stories But i'll teach you something as well and and i can break it down and teach you the how-to whether you're a beginner because i'm blessed with a lot of patience i have no idea where i got that from but i'm glad that i have it and i also can come in at a high level and teach you something that you haven't done or i can come at a hundred thousand foot level and give you a view of the market because i stay up to speed on everything that's going on i mean i read voraciously like you do dave to try to stay on top of the trends i mean It's one of the things that makes me valuable in in times of crisis, because I'm seeing what's working and willing to test it, willing to fail, willing to try when a lot of people are stuck in the mud and unwilling to do any of those things. I don't care. I'm willing to do it. And I'm willing to share that. And I'm kind of willing to bleed with you instead of just saying, hey, go, go charge that hill and you go bleed. No, no, I'm going to bleed with you. I'm going to fail with you. I'm going to be in a sales lab and help you.
0: Terrific. Uh, The final thing before I let you go. One of the things that I one of the ways that you provide a huge amount of value to me is your gratitude posts every day on Facebook. Talk to us about gratitude and how it has helped you uh, in your life and how it's helping you currently.
1: Sure. So, first, I'm not a mental health professional. I don't play one on TV, and I did not sleep at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not qualified to say this. I can only share how it's changed my life. And that is every day I share three things that I'm grateful for. I start my day with that. I think about that. I I'm not, don't always post it until later in the day sometimes, but I always focus on those three things. Some days are really, really hard. Not going to lie. Like, I'm going to tell you right now, today, it is not as sunny as I'd like it to be here in Florida. So what do I do, right? I light up my background and I pretend like I'm in a sunny spot because I'm grateful that I got to take a picture like that in Claremont, Florida. So how has it changed my life? Well, it's reframed everything, everything that I look at into even the smallest of details about my life. I can be grateful for it today. I can be grateful, like right now, Dave, that I'm talking to you. Super grateful that 14 years ago, 15 years ago, we became friends. Really grateful for that. Small things, right, that I think about. I remember me and you and Ron McDaniel in the booth at Book Expo America. Oh my
0: God, yeah.
1: The first time I met your wife, your girlfriend at the time. I remember that and I'm so grateful for that memory that's brought us together yet again today. I'm grateful for that. And, And by focusing on that, it's really changed my life and it's changed my perspective because instead of worried about all the crap I can't control, which frankly, there's a lot of it, there's a lot of it, man, there's, instead I focus on the stuff that I can control. I can control my spirit, right? I can control my attitude, I can control my gratitude. And it also then reminds me that sometimes not everybody is practicing gratitude, some people are pretty surly. I mean, politically, some people are really negative, man. They're really upset oh, yeah. about stuff. And so for me, I'm just grateful that's not me some days, right? I'm grateful that I don't need to, I don't feel the need to, to uh, bash people, to troll people, to do mean stuff. I'm grateful for that too. So it's really, it's transformed my life. Three things a day, really simple. Uh, you could put them in a notebook, right? You could write them down in a notebook or you could absolutely post them on social media, could do something with them but i encourage you do there you go yep you've got a notebook too man right little moleskin there right we do want to be grateful because frankly we if you're in the united states you're in the top one percent of the world if you have a job you're in the top 10 of the world if you have someone who loves you even one person you're way better off than so many people so when i think about that it just fires me up man it gets me going because there's st- the other stuff stops me, right? Other stuff stick gets me stuck. That's not to say that I don't nap. That's not to say I don't have bad days. It's not to say that some days I'm unmotivated. But it is to say that I'm consistently grateful, and that it changes my life every single day, and I'm glad for it.
0: I love it. Uh, one last question: Who's the person, the one person you haven't interviewed yet that you can't wait to interview? Is there anybody that you just can't wait to interview?
1: Well, you know. Uh, Adam Grant is someone that I'm really interested in because he's written some really good stuff. I don't know that I could say I'm, because I'm, he's probably never gonna come on my show and that's okay with me, right? So let's see, you know who I'd love to get? So if anybody knows Dr. Robert Cialdini, Cialdini would be someone I'd love to get on my show because I've read all of his books. I've probably given away his book, Influence 50 or 60 times. Um, I interviewed a guy who's a certified Cialdini trainer who's 25 or in one of the top 30 on influence, Uh, Brian Ahern, I believe his name is, wrote a great book about influencing people that's fantastic. So I should probably ask him, but if anybody's listening, that would be who I'd want an introduction to because Cialdini is so smart, man. The way that he looks at stuff, I'm just not that into research that I can find all these studies to support stuff and put it together. So the way he is is so opposite of me I'd love to talk to him.
0: All right. So have you uh, have you reached out? Have you tried to get a hold of him?
1: I, I've never thought it. I've never been asked that question before, Dave. So I have not. So that okay. will be on my list of things to do.
0: So here's what here's what you do. Reach out to him this week. And then what I'll do for you is my friend, uh, Joe Polish, knows, oh, yeah. knows Robert Cialdini well. I'll reach out to Joe. Joe's super busy, so he may not respond for a month. But if you reach out to him this week and then you forward me the email, I'll forward it to Joe and see if Joe will uh, will pass it along. And, you know, who knows? There's no there's no I don't know Robert Cialdini personally, but Cialdini lives near Joe. Joe's had him. uh, He's he's had him in his genius network a million times. He's interviewed him a couple of times. So you reach out to him this week. Send me the email. I'll forward it to Joe and we'll see if Joe, uh, you know, if Joe's interested. I'll tell you something else. Joe would be another great guy I was he's say, on my yeah, Joe Posh, he's great interview he, he's a he's on my list too he's super super busy but the thing about Joe is he lives to serve people and he's really big into helping people who are struggling with addiction so you know if there's some way that uh, that we can help him with his cause for helping people struggle with addiction I'm sure he'd be he'd be happy to connect you with Cialdini. I love Cialdini too I just reread influence and did a book summary for uh, for my clients on influence I mean, influence is one of the seminal works in persuasion. Yeah. So uh, if if those of you who are listening and watching, if you haven't read influence, in fact, here you go. I've got it. I've got a an old, a really old copy yeah. of influence here. <laughs> yep. If you haven't, if you haven't read influence by Cialdini yet, you got to read it. You, I mean, it is the uh, work on some of the uh, psychological persuasion methods. So. Phil, let me see what I can do to get Cialdini on your show. I can't Woo-hoo! I can't wait to see if I can help you. <laughs> That'd be something, Dave. I appreciate it, man. Thanks All for right. on. So, Phil Gerbyshack, thanks for taking a few minutes, spending some time with us today. Uh, those of you who want to reach out to Phil, Phil, how can people get a hold of you?
1: Well, the easiest way is to find me on your favorite social media channel. If you can spell Gerbischak, you can find me. It's G-E-R-B-Y-S-H-A-K. Or go to philgerbischak.com. You can find me there. That connects to everything and... You know, if you're really bold, call or text me at 414-640-7445. Real easy to reach. If you want to reach me and you can't, you're not trying very hard because I'm pretty darn reachable.
0: All right, so we're gonna put that number on the screen when this is replayed. Phil, thank you so much for joining us. All the information about Phil is available in the show notes. Whether you're on YouTube or any podcasting outlet, you can find Phil's information in the show notes. If you're not involved with Phil, you're out of your mind because there's a ton of value that he delivers every stinking day. Phil, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks, Dave. Great to see you, buddy.